This is the Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell, United States Marine Corps retired. Welcome back, Patriots. This is the Gunny, and you're on the Patriot Cause. Got a couple of questions for you today. Who is Antifa? Do you know who Antifa is? Have you done any kind of research other than listening to the mainstream media or your best friend tell you who Antifa is? Well, I'm going to give you a video clip soundbite that's going to explain a lot more than any friend that you have is going to tell you about it. Also, do you really know what BLM stands for? Why does BLM exist? Going to talk to you about that. Last but not least, who are the key players or the leaders that they use in reference of why they're doing what they're doing? Going to bring that to you also. Lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. The unprecedented violence perpetrated by Antifa and Black Lives Matters embodies two of the leftist's biggest tactics in its quest to fundamentally transform the United States. So there are tactics, and there's reason behind these tactics of why Antifa does what it does and BLM does what it does. They're tactics. And these tactics are not new. They've been around for centuries since the world was the world. It's just coming to light in America because we're a free country and we're against the tactics that they're using. Therefore, we're recognizing it more as a country in general. One is to force a race war by radicalizing African-Americans to a violent degree. The other involves making mayhem more intermediate by spreading police and firefighters as thinly as possible, thereby limiting their ability to respond quickly. So one, radicalizing African-Americans to violent degree, Antifa. Two, making mayhem more intimidating by spreading police and firefighters thinly, BLM. So that's two of the tactics that they use, the biggest tactics. So take a listen to this soundbite of who Antifa is. Antifa is a movement that is making headlines throughout Canada, Germany, the United Kingdom, and most especially, the United States. With Antifa regularly making the news, people are now asking, what is Antifa and what are Antifa's goals? 
Now, Antifa is actually not a new political force. It's a loosely connected network of groups named in honor of the military wing of the Communist Party of Germany. Antifa is an abbreviation for the phrase anti-fascist, and the movement was founded in the 1920s as part of the Soviet Union's efforts to transform Germany into a communist dictatorship. By labeling all rival parties as fascist, Antifa hoped to convince the Germans that the nation's mainstream political parties in the 1920s and 1930s were no better than the Nazis. This strategy convinced millions of German workers to join the ranks of the Communist Party of Germany. The Antifa movement experienced a resurgence in the 1980s when far-left activists in Germany and the United States resurrected the group's strategy of labeling free market capitalists and constitutional conservatives as fascists. In the United States, Antifa leaders specifically linked capitalism to white supremacy. Antifa seeks to undermine and destroy capitalism, the police, the government, and the U.S. Constitution. By creating an environment where people lose faith in government institutions, Antifa hopes to swell its own ranks and the ranks of allied groups like the Democratic Socialist of America. There are already over 200 Antifa cells in the United States, and public opinion polls suggest that up to 5% of the American public are sympathetic to Antifa's cause. By polarizing the political scene into fascist and anti-fascist camps, Antifa is destroying the Democratic Center just like it did in the 1920s in Germany. Antifa encourages violence not just against fascists, but also against free speech advocates and police officers. And by inciting violence to otherwise peaceful protest, Antifa activists hope to tear down America's constitutional system of government and replace it with a communist regime. This strategy is pushing the United States to the brink of civil war. A dangerous trend towards lawlessness has been taking root in American society. And here at thetrumpet.com, where we interpret news events in light of Bible prophecies, we have long highlighted this trend towards lawlessness. Bible prophecies, like the one in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 7, say, Your country is desolate, your cities are burned with fire. This is a prophecy that occurs primarily because the American people have turned away from God and from the rule of law. And to understand why this situation is happening and why God is allowing this attack to occur, you need to request Trumpet Editor-in-Chief Gerald Flurry's booklet, America Under Attack. Hopefully you now have a better understanding of who Antifa really is. It's not a good thing at all. And it started in Germany in the 30s. And Adolf Hitler knew it. Just to give an example, that the Antifa created basically the Communist Party in Germany. And Adolf Hitler had them um, corrected, per se.
best way to explain it. Now, in a bad way, because obviously we don't want a country like Hitler created, but we don't want Antifa taking over our country either, along with the communists and the Marxists. Speaking of Marxists, BLM leaders, the three ladies that you're going to hear about, proclaim Marxists. So what is BLM? Take a listen to this. Many see the slogan Black Lives Matter, or BLM, as a noble plea for equal treatment under the law. It's a cry to secure the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everyone. But what does the Black Lives Matter organization actually stand for? To find out, look no further than their leaders. Alicia Garza, Opal Tometi, and Patrice Cullors. Here's Colors in a revealing 2015 interview. They actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Visit the Black Lives Matter website and read the list of demands to get a sense of how deep a transformation they seek. One of those demands proclaims, Quote, we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. We can't be certain, but it's hard to believe this radical agenda is what most signed up for when they made that hashtag Black Lives Matter social media post, or that every employee, customer, or shareholder at Nike endorses a disruption of the family. Garza first coined the phrase in 2013, the day George Zimmerman was acquitted of murdering Trayvon Martin. Her friend Colors added the hashtag and joined the words so it could travel through social media. Tometi created the digital platform blacklivesmatter.com. According to Robert Stilson of the Capital Research Center, the group became a self-styled global network in 2014 and a fiscally sponsored project of a separate progressive nonprofit in 2016. This evolution has helped embolden an agenda vastly more ambitious than a national defunding of police. The goals of the Black Lives Matter organization go far beyond what most people think. They're hiding in plain sight, there for the world to see, if only we read beyond the slogans and the summaries of the movement they helped to create. It's a distinction with a profound difference. Their radical Marxist agenda is bent on supplanting the basic building blocks of society, the family, replacing it with the state, and destroying the economic system that has lifted more people from poverty than any other. Theirs is a blueprint for misery, not justice. It must be rejected. I have personally spent months researching these two organizations on reading books, the internet, talking to other people about it. And it's incredible how America got into the shambles of this massive race war that we're in today. It actually doesn't make any sense. Because we had the civil rights movement in the 60s. And by the mid-70s, they had all kind of laws, legal-wise, 
equality, amendments to the Constitution, all kind of things happen to bring us together and unify us as a country not depending on our color. But yet we're right back in the 60s again. But this time, it's a lot different. This time, they got billions of dollars and they got the Marxists and the communists behind them. And this is how they do it. See, in the 60s, they used the Constitution to improve their lives, the minorities. And we did a great job of unifying us, segregating schools, et cetera, et cetera. And giving everybody the opportunity to succeed in this country, which they do. I'm absolutely convinced of that. However, they will not let this go. No matter how good this country gets as far as unity, these type of people don't want unity. They want control of this country. And they're going to take it unless we do something about it. Let me talk to you about an individual called Manny Manning Johnson. He was an African-American. He spoke out about the first tactic from personal experience. Describes himself as a dedicated comrade and a professional revolutionist. Johnson belonged to the Communist Party USA for 10 years. He served as a union organizer, director of agitation propaganda, and a member of the party's national committee. Johnson even ran as a party candidate for a congressional seat in New York. So what is the first tactic? One is to force a race war by radicalizing African Americans to a violent degree. That's what he did. Fortunately, he was only in that party for 10 years, and he seen the error of his ways and realized the devastation that communists does to a free country, and it changed his mind. Not only did it change his mind, it made him on the other side be the activist side. In other words, he became an activist against communism. After leaving the party, Johnson became a government informant and witness, testifying in 18 to 20 cases by his own estimation. In 1958, he published Color, Communism, and Common Sense, detailing the Communist Party's tactics for infiltrating the African-American community and inciting racial division in the United States, paving the way for communist takeover in America. Shortly after publishing the book, Johnson died in an automobile accident on June 26, 1959. Lord, I wish he could have stayed on this earth a lot longer. The information he provides in this book is eerie, similar to, and has much to say about the state of America today. So read that book, Color, Communism, and Common Sense by Manning Johnson. If you really want to understand what's going on in America, he is, yes, a black man. Now, another person, Robert F. Williams. Now, this one is something else. 
This guy is something else. He was a militant civil rights leader who openly advocated of armed self-defense, anticipated the movements for black power in the late 1960s, and helped inspire groups like the Student National Coordinating Committee, the Revolutionary Action Movement, and the Black Panther Party. He was a very evil, evil guy that believed in violence, extreme violence, which is the exact opposite of Martin Luther King. So you can imagine if Martin Luther King didn't come around and we had people like him, everything would have been burnt down overnight. And this is what he says. Think about the tactics, right? The most aggressive and irrepressible arm of the overall organization would be the fire teams. He wrote this in 1965. The mission of these thousands of active fire teams would be setting strategic fires. They could render America's cities and countryside impotent. The fire teams roving in automobiles would find unguarded rural objectives even more accessible. A few teams could start miles and miles of fire from one city to another. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Antifa. Exactly. Burn it down to the ground. And that's what they're used to. This is their heroes. This is why they talk about this. This is why Antifa is, is doing what they're doing. Because they have live heroes that show them how to do it. Here's another great person in the, specifically the Black Lives Matter movement. His name is Derek Bell. I've talked to him on other podcasts. He was an American lawyer, professor, and civil rights activist in 1971. He became the first tenured African-American professor at the law at Harvard Law School and is often credited as one of the originators of critical race theory, along with Richard Delgado, remember these names, Charles Lawrence III, Maria Matsuda, and Patrick Williams. What do these five people have in common? Every one of them were university professors, never had any other type of job other than the brain of why we have race problems and how to solve race problems. That's all they know. They worked together and created, get ready for this, critical race theory, 1971. Yes, this is where it came from, 1971. And the education system in America has open arms to this. Again, the education system. Not common sense, not morals, not decency, not God, but the education system. I guarantee you, not one of those persons is either religious or Christian. Because if they were, there's no way they could have come up with this critical race theory. Knowing God. He wrote a book in 2004. Silent Covenants, Brown versus the Board of Education and the Unfulfilled Hopes for Racial Reform. 
So he wrote this book in 2004, basically saying it wasn't good enough. The Brown versus Board of Education and all the things that came out of that, desegregation, etc., wasn't good enough. They had to have control. So he writes this book, Unfulfilled Hopes for the Racial Reform. He died on the 5th of October of 2011. But stay tuned. Get ready for this. I'm going to read some of his quotes. These are official quotes by this man. And I'm going to end up telling you at the end of this something you may or may not know. But when I found about, out about it, I get it now. I understand. Here's some of his quotes. Black people are the magical faces at the bottom of society's well. Even the poorest whites, those who must live their lives only a few levels above, gain their self-esteem by gazing down on us. Surely they must know that their deliverance depends on letting down their ropes. Only by working together is escape possible. Over time, Many reach out, but most simply watch, mesmerized into maintaining their unspoken commitment to keeping us where we are at whatever cost to them or us. I can't believe that man said that. I can't believe people are saying this today. 2004, he wrote this book. It's unbelievable. Oh, it gets better. My wife... I'm quoting him. My wife says, I spend my life trying to teach white folks. I'm not sure I'm proud of it, but she's right. Trying to teach us what? Another quote. I live to harass white folks. How can that be unity? This is a professor. This is a, a, a very well-known guy that many people like. And he's saying this. There's no unity here. Today, little has changed. Many poor whites oppose social reform as welfare programs for the blacks. Although, ironically, they have employment, education, and social services needs that differ from those of poor blacks by a margin that, without a racial scorecard, is difficult to measure. So he's saying that poor white people on social welfare programs have better programs than the black people do. It's the same programs. Doesn't matter. You have to qualify. It ain't got nothing to do with your skin. That's what this man said. These are just many of the quotes. Go look online and do Derek Bell quotes. That's it. Derek Bell quotes. And there's lots of websites. I can't believe what I'm what I'm reading and what I'm what I'm hearing. No wonder we're in the problem that we're in. These people are being deceived to no end. That's why they want to bring the country down. Last but not least, I told you I got a little nugget here. In 1991, Barack Obama warmly introduced and hugged former Harvard Law professor Derek Bell, known as the father of critical race theory there's a video of barack obama hugging him and bringing him on the stage when he was running for whatever race he was running for in chicago in 1991 i told you it was a nugget
Now we understand. Now we understand. Barack Obama is not and was never a president for unity or this country. Period. Okay, that's all the bad news. Let's talk about the good news. Yes, there is good news. I want to introduce a person to you named K.C. James. She is the president of the Heritage Foundation, which is great. That's awesome. It's a great organization. But here's the twist. She's a black woman, and she's in charge or the president of the Heritage Foundation. See? That color is irrelevant. You're either a conservative or you're a Marxist. That's pretty much what it is now. There's no more conservative Democrat. You're either conservative or you're a Marxist. You either agree with the hell's going on or you cross back over to the real life fence and believe the conservatives. And this is what she says about what we can do to combat what's going on. We must combat the Marxist agenda. This agenda has wrought destruction on our nation for generations. It expands government control and takes every opportunity to limit freedom, and it must not take root in the United States. Sorry, but it already has. However, she continues, the most desperate communities in America have been run by the left for generations or more. We've seen what that leadership has brought. Generational poverty, fatherless families, worse educational outcomes, more disparity, higher crime rates. Lurching even further left would be even more disastrous, which is what we're doing. If you think it's bad now. Instead, we must implement policies to ensure Americans' promise of liberty and opportunity is a promise for all Americans Conservatives have always had the policies that can help solve many of the difficult issues that America faces. We know how to create jobs in poverty, provide better access to health care, improve education, strengthen families better than anyone. And our fundamental belief in the inherent dignity of every human being can help bring about the healing our nation so desperately needs. She's absolutely correct. Listen to this. Fundamental belief in the inherent dignity of every human being. Conservatives believe that in their heart. And we know it. And she knows it. And America knows it. So what we have to do is we have to be involved. We have to talk to our legislators. And it doesn't matter if they're Democrats are conservative. We need to engage with them and say, okay, if you don't stand up for the individual dignity of every human being, not based on any kind of color or anything, just that, that we are human beings and set policy, there's no way you're going to save this country. The Marxists will take it over in a heartbeat. And then you'll have millions millions and millions of people in poverty and the elitist Marxists will be standing on the top of the mountain. So we need to stand up, we need to show up, and we need to speak up. Use this knowledge, send people to the podcast, go to the show notes because I put the links to the videos and all that stuff in the show notes so you can see 
on the websites where I go to get this information. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Help me share it. Share it with everybody. Get it out there. Tell them to share it with 10 people. And this information will get out there. And people will start to understand, really understand what's going on. And not just assume that the media is telling them the truth. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great day. This is The Gunny out.